We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, joined by Michael Collin and Simon Carmel for a special show with uh, a guest I'm sure you'll all recognise and understand. Or understand. Recognise his voice, you clearly understand him because he speaks English. Um, <laughs> it's Matthew Raysbeck of BBC Radio Newcastle, who is both a, a, a commentator, a match day commentator, and a journalist uh, for Newcastle United. Wow. So, Matt, thanks very much for joining me. Thanks for inviting me. I hope uh, you can understand me. Yeah. You should be able to. That's what, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> you speak far more clearly than anyone else. start. So, so, you're already ahead. Um, so, I, th- I suppose the reason I wanted to talk to you today was kind of find out a little bit about what it's been like for you as a journalist this season, um, not just in terms of the positive steps the club have made compared to previous seasons, but also the fact that you work closely with Rafa Benitez uh, on a week-by-week basis, and the journalists who we've had on the show this season have all had some great stories or very nice things to say about the club and the um, the manager this season and, and kind of the change in atmosphere. Is that something that you've found compared to previous seasons? Definitely. Uh, firstly, it, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant job, and the access you've got is phenomenal it's almost unbelievable what you can do where you can go who you can speak to and and the kind of privileged position that you're in and definitely when things are going well it's a better job to do because everybody's happy players management are all more willing to talk the club are very helpful I would say in Newcastle generally but they're even more helpful because obviously things are going well and that's not a, you know that's a good thing absolutely and when you've got somebody like Rafa Benitez at the helm who understands the media, knows what they need to do their job, and also understands the importance of, of building up trust and good relationships with them, then yeah, it's like a gold mine. It's absolutely fantastic. And there's such a feel-good factor about probably every area of the club at the minute. You almost don't want it to end. <laughs> but things are heading in the right place on the pitch because of Rafa Benitez and off the pitch as well largely because of him too because of um, because of the aura that he's got when you talk to him you go away feeling better about yourself whether you've had five minutes with him or half an hour sometimes when you stop recording as, as we sometimes get he's absolutely brilliant he's generous with his time with everybody not just the media you know people that he meets we know that about him and um, I think we're very very lucky to have him and um, certainly from a, a media perspective it is one of the best times to be watching and covering Newcastle United because of what's going on and the change that he's engineered. Very interesting. And I suppose for the listeners and us, how far do you go back then with, with Radio Newcastle's 
Well, I, the first manager that I can remember at Newcastle from working for the BBC, I started 11 years ago um, between school and university. So it was Glenn Rhoda who was in charge and Damien Duff signed uh, that summer. It was quite an underwhelming time. He'd done well to get the team to seventh, taking over from Sooness. I think, you know, doing a good job with decent players, whereas before that, decent players were not being managed in a way that suited them and their abilities and well, hang on you're saying Ruben Suness is not a good manager <laughs> I'm saying that it was gosh um, yeah that was that was a bad time and then Rhoda came in and he was well liked I think by, by people up here generally he was a player for Newcastle the press liked him and I met him because he came into our studio and did a phone in um, and you know he was, he was very very committed but it didn't go well that season. It was a disappointing year. And then you had Allardyce, and then Keegan came back. Everything was wonderful. So, within a couple of years, you had just that typical Newcastle drama changes. And today we speak ten years to the day since Mike Ashley bought yeah. Sir John Hall's is shares, isn't it? So that was, you know, one of the first things I experienced working on as well at the BBC. So, like I say, typical Newcastle things happening all the time. Um, and then obviously it, it got worse the relegation and the madness of Kinnear and then it got better and then it got worse again and now it's probably better than it has been in the 11 years I've been lucky enough to see the other side from a media perspective but um, Newcastle United is, is a gift for the media generally because there's always something going on and you know speaking locally we, we cover everything that happens the Chronicle the local newspaper are on top of things as well it's very important to them but outside the North East Newcastle is big news big news in London with all the newspapers they all want a Newcastle line they're all at the games go away this season in the championship there's plenty of national media interest in Newcastle and only just last week we were visited by French television who've been in the city doing a piece um, they've done it, something with a lot of reporters uh, they did something with Olivier Bernard that came in to see us at BBC Newcastle so you know, Newcastle United it always has been in my experience and still is big news and that will only increase next season when they're back playing in the Premier League you touched on Joe Kinnear <laughs> let, let, let's go back to back to those days was it as mental on the inside experiencing that was it, it, it didn't feel like it was real I think we were at university at the time oh, so yeah. we, we, we were young and we found it a little bit funny that we had Joe Kinnear in charge but we also just couldn't believe it was happening like was it as crazy being you know in, in the position you're in well, that, for you guys. Yeah, well, that, that was a time, obviously, when Mick Lowe's, who was Newcastle commentator for 25 years for us, was doing the job. So he was the man who would interview him. And, and I think even somebody like Mick was caught by surprise <laughs> by that appointment. I mean, who wasn't? It was just it was just crazy, wasn't it? And of all the people you would, you would think, Joe Kinnear, who hadn't been in football for years. And, you, know, you remember him from Wimbledon in the 90s doing, doing all right with them. Um, you know, perhaps... It, club punching above their weight but it was it was, it was just silly and, and you know his record wasn't good either was it and then obviously he had the health problems which is quite serious and, and not nice for him but it was just a strange and horrible season and I think that was probably in some ways apart from relegation the, the lowest point because everyone was just wondering why and, and how and, and, and like it was like it was a joke um, I, yeah it's the kind of thing that happens at Newcastle isn't it that kind of left field thing that just catches everybody out and, and you just wondering why why us why now and 
yeah, you, you reflect on it, and there was that famous press conference, which everybody knows, with the um, fruity language <laughs> from Kinnear. Frequently fruity. We know it off by heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It still gets talked about to this day. Um, he made an impact, certainly, and then, of course, he came back and, and um, wasn't around for very long the second time around. But, yeah, it's strange, isn't it, that somebody like that was associated with Newcastle and was manager of a team that had Michael Owen, Joey Barton, players like that in. It was it was bizarre, but, look, they deserved to go down that season, and, and he was one of the reasons why, wasn't he? It was strange. I didn't have a great deal to do with it other than working on our shows at BBC Newcastle, and at that point, we didn't have a, a nightly phone in. We've got one now, Total Sport, which has been on since 2009. So it was the year Newcastle were in the Championship the first season that we started it. Um, but on Saturday afternoons, yeah, we would get plenty of calls from irate fans <laughs> unhappy with uh, with Kinnear. It was, um, yeah, well, he united people in the sense that not many of them liked him, put it that way. But um, apparently a nice man to deal with by all accounts, though, and, and good with the media one-on-one and, and, and well-liked by, by staff so on a personal level people can only speak as they find but on a football level <laughs> madness wasn't it I met him at a, a talking a couple of years after he finished and he was, he was a nice bloke he was funny had a lot of good things to say about Newcastle but then you just think like, he actually was our manager I don't want to embarrass Cy too much here, but I remember being at University side and that you said, who is he? <laughs> you didn't know who he was. <laughs> New Newcastle manager, um, what, 2008? But uh, what's what's uh, what's interesting there in terms of your history? I mean, 11 years is a, is a decent stint so far mm-hmm. to be to be at the, at the BBC. Um, the BBC seems to have enjoyed, like, be the only media organisation that's enjoyed a consistent relationship with the club. Is that maybe the impartiality and the fact that you, you feel like you kind of I don't know whether you try not to be controversial or, or ignore the the kind of worst aspects or allegations thrown at the club, or do you think it's just because you get on well with the people there, the people know and trust you? Because every single other, well, a lot of the other journalists anyway have had their ups and downs, particularly in the written press. Yeah, it, it's probably a little bit of most of the things that you touch on there. I mean, firstly, we have a contract with the club for broadcasting rights, so we we agree the management of the station and the hierarchy of the club uh, agree a deal um, and, and we're, we're in a contract now for commentary uh, three years um, so we have that that deal with them and obviously there's various things in in the contract you know in terms of what we're entitled to access the players what we can do which is commentary of every match home and away attend press conferences uh, things like that so um, we, we have a commercial relationship with the club um, which is obviously very important and that's the case for most local radio stations that it is really the, the only place where you'll get live commentary BBC local radio now there are some stations in I think the northwest that do a bit of local football and rugby league but it's generally BBC local radio so it's very important to us to have it it pulls in a massive audience we've just got our audience figures and on Saturday afternoon they're huge and that's probably because of the championship um, because obviously fewer games are televised and um, they're bringing in streaming next season for some matches but obviously that wasn't there this year so are they really? yeah for some matches uh, through the EFL no way. website uh, in the UK as well? Or? Um, I haven't read I think it's for foreign fans I think it's for foreign fans but, but, yeah 
but, but oh, no. as if that wasn't this year that's so frustrating yeah. well we're not far advanced yeah, well, so most, yeah. most Newcastle games have been broadcast but, but also yeah. Yeah. it's, it's well, a lot of foreign yeah. fans listen to Matthew because um, you go around the world well, now. Don't yeah, that's, the other, that's the other aspect. And we, the, the, the most frequently asked question I think we get is why can't we listen to you on the BBC website? Yeah. And, and to answer it now, we've got the radio rights for commentary, so we put it on FM, Freeview, DAB, AM, depending on whether Sunderland play at the same time because we just have to split frequencies. Um, but the clubs have got the online rights, so. They sold us the radio rights. They've kept the online rights, but they use our commentary through their website, which is available for free now, which is good. You just yeah. have to sign up previously. You have to subscribe and, and uh, pay a monthly fee. So um, that's the first aspect of, of our relationship with the club. I mean, secondly, yeah, I think people getting on well and Mick Lowe's who did the job before had a great relationship with the press officers, um, managers generally. I mean, even... Sam Allardyce, who at that time didn't speak to the BBC, got on with Mick and would always speak to him, you know, say hello and, and, and acknowledge him. Um, but obviously, Allardyce had personal reasons and didn't do any BBC, he does now. Um, but, but but that is important, having somebody there who the club can, can trust and know that we'll, we'll be fair. But we'll also be honest. Um, and I think the way the BBC operates as a whole as well is, is slightly different to some other areas of the media I mean we always make sure that what we're reporting is right and we know and, and you know we will, we will second source things so sometimes the BBC might be last to confirm something or name somebody or whatever but they just take a little bit longer and, and I think perhaps that approach um it's perhaps a little more sensitive uh, than, than other media organisations, but uh, I think it is appreciated. And BBC is supposed to be impartial, and, and with football coverage, it's difficult because you kind of have to be a little bit partisan because you're obviously following a team. And we go to whichever ground, um, and there's an opposing station there covering the game from the aspect of the opposition. We're doing it from Newcastle's perspective, so you are. Um, championing the team but without being overly biased you're doing it from that perspective um, but you're not being completely blinkered and one-sided or well, we're not supposed to be um, so I think all those things combined have helped us have a good relationship with the club we still do now uh, with the manager with, with the press office and, and the players have all been really good this season as well um, and I hope people like our coverage and, and trust it we certainly do a lot on Newcastle we do an equal amount on Sunderland as well um, but you know the media is changing as well so we have to be on top of things and you see we're doing a lot more social media Facebook Live Twitter um, so who knows where it's going to go in the next few years but uh, radio commentary has been important and I, I still think it is very interesting um, talk a little bit about you now as a Newcastle fan and you, you know you've, you mentioned that you've kind of started the commentary full time this season um, but done it previously how hard is it to kind of keep your emotions in check when the ball hits the back of the net? I'm trying to think. And Nor- Norwich, I don't know whether you did the Norwich game, but if you put yourself in that situation, or any game where there's a last minute goal, even Chris Wood against Leeds, is it <laughs> difficult to try and keep your emotions in check and try and report? Or, or do you find that are you kind of in the zone? Is it quite easy to think, no, I'm actually just reporting what's going on here? It's both, actually. I think, I think you feel it no matter what. And, and that example there of Chris Wood, I mean, we're all deflated <laughs> and obviously we I have to keep talking and describe what's happening and I've listened back to it and yeah I think you can hear almost the 
the disappointment in my voice and in John Anderson, our co-commentator, former Newcastle player's voice, at what's happened. And you know, you're reflecting what what it is on the pitch and, and telling people what it means, what it represents as well. And you know, it's all right to to be excited when there's a an important goal or a last minute dramatic winner, or it's all right to be, you know not as excited when they concede in dramatic circumstances or something goes wrong you have to reflect what you're seeing and, and you know deliver it from that Newcastle perspective but yeah it is hard sometimes especially with referees Nottingham Forest away <laughs> being a prime example that was the second match that I, I did yeah. after oh, yeah. Mick Lowe stepped down and it was on Sky we didn't have any television replays now I'm used to that because I've done a lot of non-league football following Gateshead up and down the country um, but there were key incidents and, and we, we had no idea we couldn't see so maybe our commentary would have been different if we'd seen seen it again um, but obviously we were we were stunned and, and yeah I think that came across in Burton as well um, there wasn't a replay available to us we could see in real time what had happened there's a screen in the press box which is 15 seconds behind so the you see something with the naked eye and then it's very useful for us because then we can recap on it watch it again a few seconds later after you've told people what's happened but we only saw the penalty taken again there was no replay no different angles um, I was listening to you yeah. for that because I couldn't get at the game yeah we, we, we had no idea what was going on it was it was great commentary but it was quite apparent how ridiculous it was so you, you both were just like Nobody knows what's Did, happening. Didn't we tune in on the way home? There was still. Yeah, I always switch on the way home trying to get some kind of. Because the weird thing about that is, we, we, we always listen to, to you anyway, but we kind of switch on the radio on the car yeah. back from the match. And the Nationals weren't really. Because it's championship, yeah. it was all oh, the referees made a bollocks in a yeah, championship game. It's like. Mm. It's weird how little they care. If that yeah. had been a Premier League game, like the world would have stopped, or the football world. Or probably if it was against. If it was the other way, and it was like went against the castle, so we went, yeah, went yeah. against the castle as opposed to before it was all here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah, went against. If it had been, yeah. been Burton that were denied the goal, yeah, yeah, but I, I still yeah. think uh, like your point's right. Like it was quite evidence, even after the game, no one had a clue. But the funny thing about that is, and, and this is, I was talking about media changing and, and um, you know things being digital now, and, and, and that's obviously where things are heading even you know all, all the time now but people were bringing us their phones as we were talking and showing right. us um, screenshots from Sky Sports News right. and there were there were videos and people had at the other end of the ground obviously fil- filming a penalty and that had been passed around on Twitter it's obviously got a hashtag on and people were John Anderson left his seat <laughs> and went to watch it on somebody's laptop through Twitter and someone was bringing me a phone looking at that which was brilliant I mean five years ago yeah. Yeah. well maybe even two or three years ago that, that couldn't and wouldn't have happened but um, it was it was puzzling mind you selfishly and personally we were glad that the referee admitted that he got it wrong because we would have looked a bit silly if there had been a rule change that we didn't know about yeah. and we said that at the time you know maybe there's a law because there were I think 84 introduced last year small yeah. alterations well, tweaks to, to the rules and if we didn't know about it then we might look a bit stupid but oh, it, was, it was it was maddening and then um, yeah it was hard it went on for about seven or eight minutes and then it was like what, what did they add on three, three minutes, I think yes. yeah it was, oh, it, was, it was stupid but then his statement as well afterwards it, it's all unprecedented it, the season's had it all really and especially where referees are concerned I mean go back to the, the first night against Fulham and I was at work 
in, in the office watching it and you know I, I couldn't believe it. and I think Mick Lowe said something like you know if that's the standard of referee yeah. that we're in for it's going to be a long season and you know as, as ever Mick was right and, yeah. and that just set the tone didn't it Simon Hooper who, who did the playoff final at Wembley at the weekend with the, the penalties that Newcastle should have had and yeah referees have, have, have been a, caught, a constant source of frustration we've got to be fair and I often say that you know, referees closer to it than we are still doesn't mean they get it right <laughs> um, but but it, it is difficult and you've seen how the coaching staff have struggled to control their emotions it must be hard for the players as well and for us it is hard because obviously if Newcastle do better it's better for us but John's a fan I'm a fan we want the team to win we have to keep a lid on it sometimes so you've got to try to detach yourself a little bit and try not to take it personally if something goes wrong um, you know and things have gone wrong a lot over the last few years this year it's been largely brilliant in terms of what the club's achieved but yeah that's the thing you've got to be passionate but you have got to try just to take a step back and not let it affect you because you've got to focus on on doing the job I suppose it might be a bit different if you're typing it you know if you want the newspaper lads because you're not shouting you're not talking communicating all the time you can compose yourself but we're doing it in real time trying to be accurate trying to be fair trying to give context trying to give all this information out yeah it's difficult and I dare say if we got again next season perhaps more so but, but for different reasons yeah and in terms of you, you said there that you've had a, a good background in, in live match day company with Gateshead mm-hmm. um, so it's, that's put you in good stead for making the step up to Newcastle um, mm-hmm. do you have any commentary heroes uh, from through the apart from Mick obviously yeah. but anyway, well, we, all, we all listened to Mick didn't we and, and oh, yeah. when you know when I was growing up I didn't have Sky until I, uh, I think it was until I was about 15 so listening to Mick was my way of, of getting to the match I went to you know some games when I could but um, you know you, you associate that voice that person with a team and it's probably the same in every other region in fact I think there was a piece on the BBC recently the Notts County commentator has done that job for 40 years Whoa. so you know he is really part of the fabric of that club and, and it's no exaggeration to say that you know Mick was the same and for a couple of generations of fans people our age you know what mid to late 20s let's be kind well done. Yeah, yeah, I think we all are we all are. then that's the voice you associate with the big moments and to be fair Justin Lockwood as well who took over from Mick at Metro and then uh, went to Century as it was and is now on Heart in the Morning great bloke Justin known quite well like him a lot he was really good when, when Mick left and Nick Barnes who does something for us used to do Newcastle United for us at BBC Newcastle Ooh. so I've listened to a lot of Nick as well but obviously Mick being the main one but people like that make it sound easy and it's not easy um, there's a lot going on there's a lot that you've got to do there's no right and wrong but there are some principles to follow um, but I think you know People like that are very, very naturally good, natural communicators, and um, you learn a lot by listening to the, to the good people. And you know, there's, there's some fantastic commentators out there. It's all about opinions, though, isn't it? You know, there's, there's, there's people who I will love listening to that other people might think, mm, yeah, I prefer somebody else, and and vice versa. Um, there's a lot of good people in BBC local radio covering, you know, just one team. Five like John Murray, who's from um, Northumberland, um, is the, the football correspondent. He does England and all the big matches. He's fantastic, so cool and calm all the time. Ian Dennis on Five Live used to do Newcastle United for 
BBC Newcastle. He did the Barcelona Aspria hat trick. Um, I just sent him the commentary earlier, actually, because I'm archiving some stuff, some really old stuff on mini discs before we throw them out yeah. from you know, 20 years ago. Um, and, and he's very good. Conor McNamara on Five Live, who does a bit of rugby and golf as well, is always calls things really, really well. And you can do more than one sport, which I think is you know a really, really admirable thing. Um, and we all know some great people on television. Mike Tyler, I think, is just it's iconic, isn't it? His, his commentary and TV commentary is different to radio commentary because you've got pictures, so you don't say as much. You're not always telling people where the ball is because you can see them. Don't need to give them the score because it's in the corner. Whereas on radio, they are they are two of the biggest things. Give the score out all the time. So you put the radio on, just get in the car, and that's the one thing you want to know that you can't see, and you need to know where the ball is and which team's got it. So different principles applied to each, you know, strand of the discipline, TV and radio. But yeah, those are just some of the names there. People who are who are really good. But everyone's got their own style and personality. And, you can incorporate things that other people do that you think are good, but obviously don't try to do an impression of somebody. And sometimes it takes a while for somebody to find their own style and like develop a personality, but you, you've got to just try best you can to, to be yourself doing it. And all those really good people, I think, are. They're all very distinct, and that's one of the things that makes them good. I mean, you probably, like me, when I say growing up with Mick, but voices like Martin Tyler, Barry Davies as well, match of the day, I guess they'll be the, the ones that, that you remember on television. Yeah, Jonathan Pierce from um, the, yeah. uh, Euro, Euro, uh, the UEFA Cup days. <laughs> Channel 5 UEFA Cup. Uh, Champions League qualifiers, yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a favourite line of commentary in history? Ooh. I've got one, but I'll let you go first. I've got a handful, I, I love talking about commentary. I always like the way Martin Tyler would shout Shearer. Yeah, when, when there was when there was a goal, I mean, there's there's loads, isn't there? Um, everybody remembers the Philly Palbear one. Justin um, Lockwood for Arsenal. I didn't I didn't oh, really yeah. like him before that because he used to do the thing on the pitch at half time, and then that commentary is, was just brilliant. Yeah, I completely changed my opinion. Obviously, I've never met the guy. I'm sure he's a lovely bloke. He is. Um, <laughs> no, I assure you, he is. He is. But that, uh, that commentary I just thought was spectacular. So. But that, that's the thing, if it captures the, mo- the moment yeah. correctly and gets across the passion, but also you, you know what's happened and, and and you get a real sense of just what's going on, it's like capturing the moment, um, you know, and, and, and almost almost reacting like a fan would react, which which he did in that JT Oxy one, didn't he? Because it boom, boom, shake the room, I think. Because at that point, everyone was calling him shake Tioti because they'd been wrongly told that it was... Shake and not check, so it, it, it worked. But it's it's still fantastic. I listened to him at um, Feyenoord um, when um, Bellamy scored the, the last, the last <laughs> minute winner. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. that's it. But then, but, but what else can you say? You know, sometimes you just have to scream yeah. a name, and, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a famous Middlesbrough commentary when they were in the semi-finals of the uh, <laughs> yeah, the early. That's one of my favourites. <laughs> like, I don't think it's I don't think there's anything wrong with just I losing yourself in the in the moment. Yeah. I'll, I'll show you it after this mate it's so good it, it was um, Ali Brownlee who passed away last yeah. year actually who worked for BBC Tees right. he might have been on Century at that point as it was um, Massimo Macaroni um, yeah, made it 4 all or something yeah. so on aggregate Middlesbrough going to go through mm. I'll, I'll find you the clip it's brilliant everyone around my house from Harmo uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was wonderful wonderful and he, he was somebody who was brilliant but but you know 
really, really at the high end of just being passionate and almost a fan with a mic. There's nothing wrong with that at all. There are others who are, like I say, more detached and at the other end of the scale who just step back and are really cool and, and get excited when they should, but you know, they they keep it at a certain level but, but Ali Brown then you know lost it. But I mean what a what a moment. I mean it wasn't great as a Newcastle fan watching that was it Middlesbrough getting to the uh, UEFA Cup final. But no, you're absolutely right, that was that was brilliant. There's, there's loads of great examples out there, not just from fo- football as well, from other sports people will, will remember. We did a programme on the BBC just before London 2012. Um, every local station did. It was called Commentary Moments. And we went, we got sent stuff from the 1930s. Um, you know, they were like the very first football commentary and the pitch was set out in grids and that's where back to square one comes from that was the first square on the pitch so okay. it was um, printed in a news no I think it was the Radio Times it'd be the BBC uh, uh, publication and then it was you know, this is how to follow the match so the commentator on um, the BBC would tell you, you know ball back to square one which was like the left back position I'm not sure if it was yeah, three so or the, four the across the co-commentator yeah. saying the numbers of the yes, squares yeah. and another one saying what was actually happening yes like, Quite isn't that? Yeah, so, <laughs> so good, really, really clever. It helped people follow follow the game. So, I mean, it, it goes back a long way. But but we had a, a, an unbelievable response. It was a national program, commentary moments. Then they, they um, every station would sort of opt out of that, as we would call it, and do their own. And then I think we handed back to Radio Five Live. I think it was Colin Murray. I'm sure they'll be online somewhere, but. Um, you know, we had people sending in their favourites, and it was because the Esprit one. It was Mick Lowe's commentary on Ben Arthur's goal against Bolton, um, and yeah, Giotti. Well. Yeah, which was brilliant. Yeah, and yeah, there were some fantastic examples. Um, and you know, obviously, we did some subtler ones as well. Mark Poon when he scored the header, the goalkeeper at Derby, um, and uh, G. Don Juan, the goal against Manchester City. You know, at on time, every club, every final have I'll have something, but. Um, you know, it just shows it's important and, and even though media is changing like I say I still think it is important um, radio commentary because not everyone can get to the match and you can't watch every match and in, in car listening is still quite a big thing so I hope and I think it's still got a long way to go but it's it's um, yeah it's a popular subject and you sit down and talk to anybody they've all got opinions on who their favourites are and, and, and they've all got yeah, their own favourite pieces of commentary I think you were really spot on about Mick, and we are sort of broadly a similar age. I think um, for me, like Newcastle United was Mick Lozer's thing, especially for the younger generation. Even today, like you say, with um, more access to streams and tele- television and stuff like that, do you do you feel any pressure um, because of that? Because like your relationship with Mick as, as a fan, as mm-hmm. a child growing up, you know, Mick had that kind of I don't know whether you lads remember it. I'm sure you will of um, big moments. He would slow down. Especially if it was a big goal, he would kind of start speaking a lot more slowly. And that's what I said. Like, I don't know when, when listening as a as a kid and a, as a young teenager, he was so good at painting a picture of, of j- just from not even the words he used, just from the tone of voice and how how he was talking. Do you feel any pressure to think, well, you know, that's your responsibility now for the next generation, for the next, you know, eight to fifteen year olds, or do you just think I can't think about that? I've just got to do what I need to do and if it happens it happens um, I don't feel any any pressure um, because I've got asked to do the job so I've got that um, firstly that blessing from Mick because he, he, he was brilliant and I get on 
brilliantly with him, speak to him all the time. Um, now he's, he's um, in, in the northeast. Often he's doing a lot of talking events. You might have been to some of them. Uh, I know they're publicised on nufc.com, and um, I think he's got another one coming up uh, quite soon. Um, so he he was brilliant about it, and he he's given me loads of advice, loads of help, and and you know encouragement. So that that's important for a start. But also you can't um, you can't have fear because I always think and it applies to any radio or TV like once you're in a studio or once you're in a match and the mic is on you've got to you've got to do it you can't hold back you can't freeze you've just got to go for it um, and like I said it is hard and people like Nick and like all the other good ones we've talked about and some other good ones we haven't talked about they make it seem simple they make it you know words just flow out in, in a beautiful formation and you think wow that yeah that's fantastic but but it but it isn't easy um, and when and when you think about the responsibility of, of doing it for a club like Newcastle at a big station where the most listened to BBC local station apart from Radio London which is kind of separate because of the the size of, of the area that broadcasts to um, then you know it is a significant role but it's not pressure it's it's privilege it's fantastic and you know I'm very lucky to be able to do it to be able to go to every match and sit there with a microphone on and talk talk about what's happening we, we, we all love football we all love talking about football I'm incredibly lucky that I can just do that and that is that is an occupation it, it's silly really because it's not like proper work but um, you know, you've got to enjoy it you can't be phased by it and you've also I think got to understand that yeah there, that there's an expectation on you to do the job and do it well and be able to you know convey everything in the right fashion but um, no I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say pressure and also I filled in for Mick uh, 24 times <laughs> before he stood down so I'd had that experience of doing some Newcastle matches so I wasn't just chucked straight yeah. into it um, I was at Barnsley in October and did a couple of home games uh, before Mick announced that he was leaving and I did Bristol City in August as well so I've done some championship matches this year so you know it, stepping into it wasn't anything new I was just doing it permanently I wasn't just going to do one match and then you know Mick was, was back so no, I, I didn't feel any pressure and, and the worst bit personally was um, when a press release went out and I had to have a picture taken for it and I absolutely hated that because I just wanted to like, keep my head down and just, just carry on because to me it, it was just I was still working at the station I was just going to be changing my role slightly doing something that I'd done now and again in the past on a, you know, on a regular basis and that was it and to me the change didn't feel that big but then when there's other stuff going on I thought oh right you know yeah this is a reminder of yeah of, of just how big it is but that was the worst bit the press release that went out which I just I just avoided I didn't read it um, and also I put together our tributes for Mick so there was a lot of going through archives, there was a lot of ringing around people. Everybody that we asked to come on said yes, of course, you know, big people in football, Alan Shearer, you know, and answered our call and said of course he would come on. He came on live on our breakfast programme to talk to Mick about Mick, which shows the um, this standing that uh, Mick has in football. Um, and listening to that made me think, yeah, you know, this is how good you've got to be. But that's no bad thing. 
because uh, he was fantastic he still is brilliant I'm sure he'll commentate on football again I think you'll hear him probably across the BBC in, in roles maybe um, it's up to him whether he covers football again but he had 25 years of being the best doing it at the top you don't do it for that long up here if you're not brilliant um, but yeah that, that was the best thing for me to listen to how good he'd been and realise that's a level you've got to be at but um, you know it, it's a it's a privilege to do the job like I say and no I don't feel any pressure I absolutely love it it's, it's been fantastic and um, you know he, like I say I talk to him all the time he's a great support he's a good friend of mine um, and you know it, if I can be as you know, half as good as he is then you know I think I'll, I'll do a, a decent job um, but absolutely big shoes to fill um, but, but it's, it's fantastic you know, I love Newcastle United I love football we all do and you know, it's brilliant at the minute because of the great story that, that there is with Rafa and the team doing so well Alright, great to hear um, some, some questions now I'll throw at you so favourite game this season to commentate on and why oh um, that is that's difficult I mean, the bit of, I've said to people when they've asked me oh, are you enjoying it I've said yes the job's exciting but the football isn't always exciting because some of the matches this season were were awful weren't they I would say see Brighton and Huddersfield away were brilliant results but apart from the last 10 minutes at Brighton and maybe the first half an hour at Huddersfield you know it wasn't that enjoyable was it it was a bit nervy Barnsley was brilliant but it was it wasn't all brilliant because you know you knew that something else could affect things I think Preston was really good in the second half uh, game from start to finish that's a tough one that I'll have to have a little bit of a think um, I quite enjoyed Brentford even yeah. though kind of got battered <laughs> but won but that that had been the case in a lot of matches hadn't it like, so especially away from home this is a good one to ask about so that I listened to that game because I was put ad tickets and it got changed last minute so I listened couldn't go yeah, on the weekend it caused a lot of people yeah I got rid of my issues, tickets first didn't it? lost yeah. out on the train ticket unfortunately yeah. but um, just quickly while, while you mentioned yeah. Barnsley did you know before us in the in the press box that um, yeah. the fellow had conceded well, I'm glad you mentioned that because this is I was talking about radio and, and commentary still being important we sent one of our reporters to Villa Park so so from BBC Newcastle from BBC oh, Newcastle right. yeah so we, we applied for a pass for him and he got in and he took the broadcasting kit and we did a few bits of them beforehand and we checked in with him every every few minutes um, there was no general guide it was just up to me so roughly every five minutes I would say um, Chris Sykes is called let's go Chris at Villa Park anything happening no <laughs> and then there was after about 20 minutes some of the fans were starting to cheer and I think a rumour had yeah. gone round so we went straight and I, I literally straight to him and he said no nothing happened so we were with our hands because we were talking just telling everyone to calm down no uh-huh. I'm, I can't see it now it's radio but you know I'm doing the just wagging my finger like footballers <laughs> do at referees no nothing's happened and then when it went 3-0 we were still describing Gail's goal and the way it works is we have somebody on the desk in the studio who basically plays the interviews switches our mic on so puts it live on the radio we switch it on on our kit somebody operates a desk um, in the studio and they communicate with us in our headset so they just said they were saying all afternoon um, goal at Brighton or 
free kick at Brighton incident at Brighton. It's not at Brighton, it was at Villa Park. Okay. So all I heard was goal at Brighton, but I thought it was goal for Brighton. So I just fairly, in a resigned fashion, said, oh, um, Chris Sykes at Villa Park, and he went, it's 1-1. One, one. So we were, we were stunned. I looked, at, I looked at Ando, who, you know, is a very realistic man, but even he had a big smile. And we just turned to the fans besides, and we just give it, you know, 1-1, one, one. Not with our middle fingers, yeah. but with our index fingers, and we turned to the, in the boxes because we're at the back row of the press box. It's the posh seats behind us. We were, you know, telling all the fans, and some of them wouldn't have it, wouldn't really? believe us. And I was pointing to the headset and like thumbs up, and it, it, then people started to look at their phones, and then everyone around the ground knew, and that was brilliant. And that was the benefit of having somebody there. But that's the benefit of live radio that yeah. you can't get. Also, there was no signal during the match and we were trying to tweet stuff afterwards and it was a nightmare so I can imagine everybody was just trying to find out but I mean what a I don't know where you were in the ground but it was no, we're on the corner wasn't it? we're on the corner was that you were not on the pitch one of the best moments I've ever had like to be able to celebrate that in the middle of celebrating a goal while Gail was doing the going up going down celebration it was just too much to ask it really, like, <laughs> really was it does, those kind of things don't normally happen in Newcastle, do it? No, because it went flat, didn't it? Yeah, so very I, flat. For, you know, in the second half, everybody knew. I can't remember. It's all a bit of a blur. It was before or after, and Ben scored. I think it was before, wasn't it? Yeah. And hear a pin drop, but then you know, two 0 great. And then Gail scored. We did the did the uh, going up, going down celebration. So we started thinking, oh, you know, it's not so bad. It's still a good day. And then it's like. You're joking. You're joking. Yeah. Yeah. There was but, uh, one guy at the bottom of the corner that had managed to get some signal on his phone and everybody yeah. was just swarming him like lifted his phone you, like a trophy. Have you got signal? <laughs> is it is it one thing? I don't know how he got signal. There was yeah. there was no Wi-Fi in the press box either, so yeah, that, that was down. So it was a difficult day to find things out and we were lucky we had somebody there. But I mean that was I mean it was a memorable day because Bemba scored first of all and yeah. then Hydara appeared. From nowhere, but then that happens. It's just, just incredible, wasn't it? You didn't want to be in the championship, but that you know, you would never swap that. You would never yeah. change that, would you? Would you know? I'm glad we had that rather than finishing fourth or fifth bottom in the Premier League, which hopefully you know yeah. we will not have to worry about much higher up in, in the coming seasons. But it's just incredible, wasn't it? But but like you say, you know, I'm just fi- find it hard to pick out. Because I wasn't at QPR, which was obviously crazy. Yeah. Um, Leeds away, I mean, I, I think it was, I watched it on TV and there were just streets ahead of Leeds, weren't they? I can't really think of a, of a game that was that really stands out as being incredible. Bir- Birmingham 4 0, that was a good game. That was a, that was a good home game. We played well there, I thought. You, you might be going to ask me, so I'm uh, sorry if I'm, I'm spoiling <laughs> your, your questions. Worst team I've seen, Birmingham. <laughs> Four <laughs> times, twice at St Andrews. They were horrendous. I mean, you lads know as well, but even under Gary Rowett, the first one, yeah, and they were, I think they were sixth in the table. God, they were. I mean, they were they were dying, weren't they? It was lamentable stuff. And then I mean, they're in the FA Cup, then a replay on, and they're again in the league. I mean, it, they, they, you know, without being unkind, they'd send you to sleep. They were really struggling, weren't they? I thought Rotherham were better. When yeah. Rotherham came up here, they had—I know they nearly got in, didn't they? Without Darla made that great recovery save, but yeah, anything involving Birmingham would not be up for the best game of the season for me. But. Yeah, but don't get Miggy start on Birmingham. He's not a fan. St Andrews or the city. just the city. The city. All oh, right, yeah. The, the, the football clubs. Villa in particular, but uh, 
West Brom next year. The city. Nah, I refuse to go to the Midlands, it's a curse. <laughs> Were you at Wolves? No. No, no. I've not been back since... Um, since Villa last year. Last time, yeah. Oh, but then I went twice to Birmingham and both games were disgraceful. Um, as well. Uh, Wolves wasn't great either, mind. No. I was gonna I was gonna ask before, so Brentford mm-hmm. is probably uh, obviously because I want most of the games I don't get a chance to listen on time was the angriest I've heard John Anderson. Yeah. Throughout that game he was foaming at Newcastle's like ability to give the opposition chances. Is he does he get like as animated as he sounds when he's watching yeah, the game? Yeah, no, it's genuine. I, I promise you, it's not put on. I mean, the one thing Ando gets accused of is being too negative, but he will just tell you that he's realistic. And look, he played in a different era when different things are expected of footballers, probably defenders in particular. And you know, he likes defenders who defend first. He likes defenders who defend well. Um, and the, you know, he would say that there wasn't a great deal of that from Newcastle that day. And um, Lasse Vibe played up front for Brentford. Who, had a decent season scored yeah. a fair few goals I think after Newcastle were there um, was pulling Lascelles all over the place and running off him and Ander was getting really really annoyed about that he was also a bit annoyed because Gale had gone off as well and, and you know there was it was a bad injury it was a bad time of the season to get really top scoring yeah. yeah you know he got his 20th goal didn't he that day good goal and then they were that Shelby as well and, and they were struggling and then there was nine minutes added on wasn't there yeah. I think we I think we missed the the, um, the numbers board. We were on the far side. We didn't have the best view. There were pillars in our way. Um, we enjoyed the goal. As if they've got pillars in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You get that. You get that. We've got them at Birmingham. We've got a we've got a wooden um, television gantry at Birmingham with ladders to climb up for the for the cameras. We just sit just below it. But yeah, there's some curious press facilities. I'm not complaining, but but hmm. you, you get around and you see the old and the new. Well, I was going to ask you what, what was your favourite ground not in terms of the game just your favourite ground for whatever reason to visit this season um, I like Brighton normally the press get get fed beforehand food at Brighton was very very nice they look after you you know they, they do things right and I think everyone loves Chris Hewton and, and probably I would say probably doesn't begrudge Brighton their, their promotion because they've been trying for a while I think they're a nice club um, and you know, I hope they they stay up. Enjoyed that. Hull was great because obviously that was the first match that I did. I've never been to Hull. I got to loads of new grounds this season. I'd always wanted to go to Forest and Sheffield Wednesday, which I did. <laughs> Lost two one on both occasions, <laughs> didn't we? It didn't turn out too well. But Hillsborough was fantastic. That's the noisiest. Good atmosphere. Wasn't noisiest yeah. ground I think I've away ground that I've been to anywhere. Um, covering Newcastle that they made so many and it was such a supportive atmosphere as well um, I would have liked them to have gone up but them or Huddersfield yeah. I think just a Yorkshire yeah. team but, but I, was, I was impressed with, with them Forrest was a real throwback it was um, yeah and Barnsley even more so as well but but nice people um, nice nice clubs and um, yeah you, you get around Bristol City with yeah. were very nice as well they were re- redeveloping their ground uh, it still wasn't quite finished when we were there um, there's a lot of good grounds um, they're nice at Cardiff as well people um, do you ever get a hostile reception from anywhere worst place I've been Grimsby <laughs> playoff final in the conference 2014 it was 1-1 that was the first leg Gates had scored first Grimsby equalised Grimsby probably deserved to win the first leg there was a Grimsby Town fan behind us and they had a right chip on their shoulder about being in the well, National League conference as it was then 
and they're a massive club and they should, for that level they shouldn't be up there and they're pleased they've gone up but they were not happy with us when we were getting excited when <laughs> Gated were going forward and, and they were shouting at us during the game you're biased you're biased <laughs> well, obviously we're doing it from their perspective we're not doing it from a Grimsby perspective we were sitting next to the Radio Humberside commentators who were so if he'd been 2-6 a lot he wouldn't have heard yeah. us and then right at the end of the finish 1-1 and Gates had beat them um, in the second leg got to Wembley and lost unfortunately um, he came in up, up to what we have three mics one for commentator summariser and the third one to pick up the crowd noise and he leant over the barrier and shouted screamed into the mic town town and he's a 50 odd year old bloke who was just really like worked up whipped himself up into a frenzy and I couldn't believe it of all the places to go yeah. and it was a you know, nice old ground with a bit of character and you know smell of fish and chips and it was you know, it was a big occasion good crowd and just one one fan spoiled it but Everything's, everything's been alright the fans at the way matches will, will, will talk to you and smile and sometimes sometimes they want to see the team sheet but yeah. Yeah, but everyone's everyone's been been nice and um, yeah so no such problems in, in the championship in my experience but um, yeah that's Grimsby Grimsby was the one the worst one I mean I, I did the Europa League match in Russia wow. and you know being at Grimsby was probably a more um, you know well, yeah, a tougher experience than, than downtown Moscow. But, uh, yeah. Can yeah. you ask where, where you're looking forward to most going next season? Personally speaking, there's a lot of grounds I've not been to, um, and I've covered for Mick. I've done a lot of away matches, so I've been. First game I did was Arsenal when Andy Carroll right. scored the, the header. Yeah. Chris Hewitt. Um But grounds that I've not been to, I'm looking forward to, um, to Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, which we've got. I've never been to Leicester either. So, um, I've got a great record there, haven't um, But it remains to be seen how they are next season, but, but that will be good. Um, yeah, j- just anywhere that I've not been to. Um, there are there are still a few. I've not been to Man City, but I prefer I prefer the older grounds that are a bit noisier. Yeah. And even Stamford Bridge. I've got no happy memories of Man City, don't bother. Just <laughs> it's Colin sick that day. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those where it's a fantastic you know, structure, isn't it? But, you know, I'm saying Stamford Bridge you know I know it's been redeveloped and it's got a hotel there but it's still on the site of the old ground you know a lot of the structure is still you know well it's been there a long time I know in the 70s and 80s it does not anything like yeah. it does now but I think it was a car park at one end or something like that but like Oxford um, yeah yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah gosh uh, yeah don't remind me yeah. of Oxford but, but but places like that and you know we might not go away from home and do well or as well but are we going to win 14 away yeah. matches next season I'd be surprised <laughs> yeah we would win the league for that wouldn't we but um, you know places like that it's just a privilege to be back in the Premier League it's where we feel Newcastle should be but you've got to earn the right and and they have and the scary thing about the Championship is, is you know we've got all the clubs that are there and when I was getting into football probably half the Championship were in the Premier League Derby Forest uh, Leeds United Sheffield Wednesday well they're, they're back they're back there now aren't they and, and Middlesbrough as well but you know, that that league is just it's, it's horrible and it's so hard to get out of isn't yeah. it we'll get stuck. We, we've said this like it's been a really really enjoyable season for so many reasons but we wouldn't want to do it again like yeah. it's been nice we've had Rafa obviously it's made it it's made it an absolute just joy to be a Newcastle fan even in the, in the second division but I couldn't do another 46 games no, absolutely <laughs> no this time next year you're going to be preparing to go to the press box at Barcelona <laughs> well 
one thing at a time. Listen, Rafa is, you know, he's not somebody that wants to just do all right. No. You look at his record everywhere, and, and that's one of the that's one of the great things about him. That wherever he's been, pretty much he's achieved something. He's won a trophy. He's got promotions earlier in his career. Um, he's somebody who you associate with winning. Now, that every manager's probably had times when it hasn't always gone as well as he would have liked. But but in most clubs he's made a mark. Even at Chelsea, where he didn't have a great time, did he with the fans? He won them the Europa League season. Newcastle were in it. So that is you know, such a heartening thing. And I think back to last year when we got relegated. You know, compare it to Sunderland. Newcastle won five one on the final day of the season. Sunderland lost five one on the final day. They don't know where they're going. They're looking for a new manager. Newcastle was obviously a bit anxious about whether Rafa would stay but the reception that day helped convince him to stay and probably a lot of the fears about being down were eradicated because Rafa said he wanted the job and he was going to be at the club to get Newcastle back up so the contrast Newcastle circumstances with Sunderland's now you've got to feel very very lucky but you know not necessarily sympathetic but they're an example of a club that might find it hard to get up and get out and you can get stuck like you said can't you I mean look at look at Leeds it's, it's incredible isn't it Forest you know a massive club by winning European trophies and having Brian Clough and everything they achieved and, and they can't get out they nearly went down again and I mean Ipswich yeah their 16th season the longest yes. serving championship club well, the longest even club in any division below the Premier League yeah. in a single division. It's, it's scary, isn't it? I think with um, I think isn't it forty nine of the ninety two clubs that have played in the yeah. league clubs that have played in the Premier League now. At some point, one of them will drop out of the football true, league. Yeah, yeah. I might, it, the number might not be right, but I read it somewhere. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, yeah. you've got Blackburn, a Premier League champion, playing in League One, so. <laughs> Crazy, but um, it's, well, it's unbelievable, isn't it? And, and you know, as regards next season, I, you know, I think there's just a genuine cause to be optimistic. And as I was alluding to there, Rafa's not somebody that wants to just settle. And you know, we know he's met the owner and it went well. He was really charmly. And if Rafa's happy, I think we can be happy because if he wasn't satisfied, then would he still be here? You know, he's, he's smart enough about his own position determined enough and ambitious enough in his own career to decide what's best for him and if he, did, if he didn't feel that he was going to have the necessary financial clout and the backing to do what he wanted and what he feels is necessary then I would have, I couldn't have seen him staying but as much as he wanted to you would have understood probably had he gone had he not got the assurances that he wanted so the fact that he is happy and he's already started with Christian Atsu and is obviously looking at good players to bring in on top of that then I think we've got to be happy and optimistic and you know who knows what's going to happen it's Newcastle United we don't know what where we'll be in three four months let alone the end of next season but you know I'm, I'm optimistic about next year because of him because of what he's put in place already and because of what he wants to achieve and you know you remember the the rhetoric when Kaji was here and some of the statements from the club it's so different now isn't it when you've got somebody that positive you know telling you what he wants and, and, and the fact that you can trust in him and believe in him to execute his plans it's brilliant that's a nice place to leave it lads unless you've got any more questions from us where do you think we'll finish 
Oh, well, it, it, it depends on who comes in. Like I mentioned that too, and I was a little bit surprised, but it is a signing that makes sense for about six million pounds. You know, they know what he can do. Rafa's big on trust; he trusts him, and I think you know it's a good player to have in the squad. But obviously, we need five or six for the first team of, of good quality, and a few more for the squad. They mentioned loans in the statement last week, so I think that'll be part of it as well. Um, if they get what they're looking for. You know, I would like to think that that we we could, I would like to think that we could maybe, maybe try to get into the top half. You know, I think anything, but like anything above twelfth would, would be would be a real achievement. But it just depends on what happens in the summer. But look at Southampton. Where do they finish? Eighth, forty-six yeah. points. Exactly. It's not been a good league this year. No. I think if you know if we'd had the team that went down with the referee in charge this season in the Premier League, I think we would have been completely fine. Uh, I know it was mainly an attitude thing with them, not ability, but you, you just never know. It, it just depends on that. But I, I think we'll be fine, and, and I think you know we can hopefully have a good year and then and then look forward. But who knows? What do you think? Eighth, first, first. No, like, uh, I think I think can, the sky's the limit. As you say, it depends what we we do manage to bring in, and that's the excitement of Rafa, isn't it? Like, it's not so much oh if we're going to get a load of people we haven't heard of. He's just back Rafa. If he wants a player, mm-hmm. there's a chance we can get him. Yeah. Um, Who wouldn't want to play for Rafa? Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Why not? Why, why not dream of Europe? Why not? <laughs> it's possible, yeah. as you've said, that the, the bottom 12, 13 clubs of the Premier League this season just got have been fairly poor. Yeah. And there's no reason why we can't all immediately jump above that lot. Rafa's Rafa's record in big games so we've already won 13 games home and away and then we've got the the top 6 to play against in which Rafa's we're going to win the league it's done I think a well resourced um, well supported Newcastle United with a stadium that is 100% positive behind the manager would be quite a challenge for teams to stop and I think definitely I agree with you I think top 10 is is really really reachable I, I expect this to finish you say because I think on the last day of the season teams could have finished between 12th and 8th mm. so close as the league so it's hard it's really hard to define it to a position Yes. but I, I just feel that because we'll have a better manager than all of the clubs in that region he's got to be worth an extra few points the money the resources we might have should be worth an extra couple of points the fact the team is so young should be worth something and the fact that they're used to winning you see a lot of teams not Middlesbrough but a lot of teams who come <laughs> up because they're so used to winning there wasn't a great start because yeah. they're used to winning games and it's quite a good habit to have and they have the confidence so I think I'm going to say maybe I'm going to say top 8 between 8th and 6th 8th and 5th you know it might it might might not happen but it's it's better it's better to dream as a football fan isn't it than say we're going to finish 17th and 16th and as you alluded to like finishing fourth bottom or fifth bottom I think those days are gone and that's the most important and it's great that we now get the chance to dream instead of just being yeah. pessimistic that's the difference isn't it you've got a manager who is a manager in charge got control knows what he wants to do and, and is you know hell bent on delivering it and fans trust him like you mentioned the stadium it will be full everybody will be behind the team and look there's going to be blips there's going to be defeats and there's going to be things that don't go well but but generally speaking everybody is is, is together and, and that is a that is a huge difference from last time. And the championship's been nice because it's been a break from going away to Everton and losing 3-0 or whatever and knowing that you've gone into this match and, oh, you know, away from home you probably lose and not score and, you know, you just feel like you're going nowhere. But now feel you're taking a step back to, to take a few steps forward with the right man, you know, at the front of it. 
So if he gets what he wants in terms of players, and he'll have plenty of targets, and of course he's been looking and he knows who's out there and who he can possibly get. We might be surprised by a few. There might be some who we're delighted with. There might be others who we think, oh, I'm not so sure. But you've just got to trust him, haven't you? And I think as well, young team, a lot of players will get better. Everyone said there might only be three or four who would start in the Premier League. Richie, Shelby, Clark, maybe. But, yeah, but, but, but for Hayden, Hayden yeah, yeah, and, and you think Perez will, Perez will be yeah. better again, won't you? And, you know, Paul, I think Paul Dummett had a really good season he's just not a left back he's a centre half in my opinion and you've got Clark playing that role but you've got people like him there that Rafa trusts and Rafa likes and they're only going to be better players for having him as their manager for the length of time that they had so I think some players will get better they'll grow into the Premier League the ones that haven't been there before and others will improve and he'll, he'll bring quality in so there's a lot to look forward to and, and, and hopefully it will be smooth. It isn't normally with Newcastle, but but this is the best chance we've had to, you know, to achieve something and, and do well and push on properly and have sustained success, however you define that, since Sir Bobby Robson. Because when we finished fifth under Alan Pardew, and he gets a lot of stick, but did he really want to only strengthen the squad with Vernon and Ita that summer? Of course he didn't. He wanted more players, but they didn't kick on, and then they just ended up. I think three or four years of, of struggle largely apart from that half a season um, and then the second half of the season just was non-existent wasn't it so you know I think this this is a great chance to, to get back in there you know remind people of Newcastle United and then push on and hopefully they'll do that Brilliant Matthew thanks very much for your time we much appreciate it and uh, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to tuning in next season to, to hear some more wins well, we've got we've got commentary of every every match next season in the Premier League and in all the cups. So, um, you know, if you can't be there, I hope you can you can be with us, and I hope you enjoy the coverage. And we have a phone in every night as well, Total Sport, and you know we get a range of views, pro Benitez, some who aren't always happy with what he does, but you know nobody is stopped from coming on if they're going to be negative. And it's great to hear from the fans because you know everyone's opinions are valid we all see the same thing but we see it differently and apart from the people who don't like the ears <laughs> yeah stop letting them on <laughs> there are a few honestly there are a few and they're not Sunderland fans winding, winding us up but um, thanks for having me on and um, hopefully we'll um, we'll reconvene yeah. at some point when, when Newcastle are high up in the Premier League everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.